Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving. Now, in season two, The Cannamom Show continues on its mission to empower women-centric cannabis businesses by sharing their stories with you. Go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back, and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. Welcome to The Cannamom Show. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber, and we're back again to introduce you to another fabulous lady in the cannabis industry. This is like my only outlet to talk to people about things that I'm pissed about. So I just have to go on a little road rage before I introduce our amazing guests and talk about cannabis. I'm a lawyer. Dave's a lawyer. We know lots of lawyers. So I've been following the Amy Coney Barrett hearings and I support women. That's the whole premise of the show. And I want to support moms, especially. But I've been feeling very frustrated about this. And I can't understand why I'm so torn up about this idea that she is a woman who's made it in a man's world. She has a lot of children. But I keep feeling like the white men who are talking about her are using that mom thing as like a shield and a sword and that it's protecting her. And I don't know. I just, I've been wrestling with this and wrestling with this. And I how do you like, mean using it as a shield? Like they're painting her as. Yeah. Like you can't go after her because she is a mother oh. of seven people of seven small humans and is adopted. Then you cannot even like something about that makes her an elevated human. And it, it's like a protection. And it's also like a sword. They're like, you're using it at us. Like, she's a mother. Dare you to come after her because she is going to be a role model for whatever. I hate to be cynical, but not the first time Republicans have just twisted an argument to surf their self-interest, whatever the flavor of the week may be. But we're comparable mages, me and Amy, and we're probably in law school at similar times. And so I just, the thing that I feel about, this is what I've come to. It's like she is a white person who's lived in a world that's really worked for her. I mean, it's really worked for her as opposed to most people with vaginas. There's something that goes off. I don't know. I can't explain it. Mm -hmm. She's basically just another white dude who has a lot of children. Like 
I don't think not to degrade it, but you children take a lot of time and energy. So mm -hmm. she has a lot of help. So all those men who always make their careers by saying, oh, I have this big family, but right. they're still just doing their jobs. That's what she's doing, which is fine. But they're creating this like aura around her, which makes me cranky. So I want to support her. I know she's a mom. I know she's doing her thing. I know she's a woman, but I just, I can't. She's, get, she's getting criticism for the way she described her children. Did you see that bit? No. Where she, so she's got, you would know better than I, she's got three or four, uh, two adopted kids and then the few non-adopted kids, right? Yeah. Yep. yep. Anyway, she described each one of the non-adopted kids, her natural kids, whatever, biological kids as intelligent. And then when she described her adopted kids from Haiti, she was like, oh, they're so happy and so happy to be free and everything. And it was like, oh. Actually, uh, that even brings me back to the idea of perspective. The reason we progress is because white guides aren't required to give us our rights anymore. We get to take them back. And this really has to be, this seat on this has to be from a different perspective, from a different than a white man who's got a Christian belief system. That we need a new perspective, and that's basically what she is. I don't know, there's nothing I can do, but I can talk about it. So that was my little rant, people. If you agree with me or not, I don't care. But I've just been very upset and no one in my house wants to talk about it. So I'm going to talk about myself. Joyce in 2024. <laughs> All right, let's get back to cannabis. Right. That's what I really like to talk about. Today's guest, you're going to love this, people. Today's guest is a second generation cultivator. And I would describe her as a first daughter of the cannabis industry. She is also the mom of two and is a pioneer in the back to land movement. And when she was just a teenager herself, she met her husband and started living off the land. They are now in their 22nd cultivation season. She is a native of Mendocino County in Northern California, where I understand there exists the perfect climate for our magical cannabis plant to thrive. And for those of you unfamiliar with this area, it is part of that infamous Emerald Triangle that also includes Humboldt and Trinity Counties. And although this strong mama was dismissed by some of the big boys in the cannabis game, today's guest has proven herself and her vision with her company, Mendocino Generations, an alliance of legal permitted farms in the Mendocino County, working together to grow, breed, and create organic and biodynamic herbal medicines, true clean craft cannabis. And if that were not enough, she is also featured in the documentary, get this, Lady Buds, Buds telling, yeah. Check that out. <laughs> telling the powerful stories of six courageous women navigating the wild west of California cannabis. Please welcome to the Cannamom Show, Chia Rodriguez. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for sitting through my rant. Thanks for having me. Yeah, um, I'm glad to be here. And please rant all you want. There is so much stuff going on right now that makes me want to pull my hair out. Use so your platform. <laughs> my voice. All right. So here we are. Can you just, before we begin, let's talk about what Mendocino Generations is, just what that explained the area and what you're doing. And I think just like a touch point, I talk about the fires or I don't know what else is going on in that area right now that people can generally relate to at this moment. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And let me just um, correct the pronunciation is Mendocino. Oh, I'm sorry. I do it's this all okay. the time. Coming it's okay. People botch my name. <laughs> down and left, so it's all good. But yeah, Mendocino County is part of the Emerald Triangle. And I live in a little town out in the mountains called Redwood Valley. And Redwood Valley, if anybody knows Northern California, is a, like a little bit north of Ukiah, which is a central uh, city of Mendocino County. And like you said, 
Mendocino County is prime cultivation region for cannabis. It's we're going on five or six generations, even 50 plus years of cultivation in this county. And my parents were both back to the landers. And uh, we live on a intentional community outside of Redwood Valley. And people moved out here to get away from the man at that point back in the early 70s, late 60s. My father retired from all of his things and decided just to move out into the middle of nowhere and figure it out on his how, own. How, so how old were you when you came and where were you from? How did I was did you, born? Right. Yeah. So, so many of the second generation of our community, I was born in our little cabin out in the middle of the woods and raised with lots of kids that were doing the same thing. We called ourselves, I say free range children because I like that. <laughs> really was like barefoot. Nobody nobody paid attention to where you were, what you were doing and who you were with. There was no phones and it was just like a trusting, okay, they all went over there to that house. And Which is so the extreme opposite of what have happened to our children. And I say I'm, I'm born in the 60s and I'm a middle kid in a big family. So no one knew what I was doing ever. And whatever. I <laughs> know. It's a different and, way of living, but I wasn't out yeah. in nature. I was like on buses. But yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's so funny because like now I'm raising my kids in the same place. Like my husband and I bought land nearby the land that I was born on. And our kids are just like, they go outside, but they're not like what we were. When I was a kid, it was like, why are you in here? It's light out. What, you know? So how old are your children? I, we didn't go. I, I'm kind of uh, topic, I have but. two kids. One is 19 and one's about to be 13. So okay. we're, we're diving into the, the full-on attitude thing with the little one who was my sweet one. And now starting to get that. Well, we can go through that yeah. again, but you're a strong woman in business. So let's keep going. So what's going on yeah. up there? So you're out there. You're, so you have this, you're living in the land and then how are you making this collective and what's like the steps that got to you where yeah. you are? Okay. Let me touch yeah, we'll, we'll start back from the yeah, beginning. Yeah. So my husband and I um, have known each other since we were kids, but... Was he born out there too? Was he? Was that how you made the connection? No, no, he wasn't. Actually, his dad is a landowner next door to us, so that's how we got the property that we're on right now. Okay. And so our dads were both like first generation on this community, okay. and they both, both of our dads cultivated back in the day. They were, you know, what we call like guerrilla cultivators they grew in the bushes because during the reagan era and all that it was very the war on drugs was really real the helicopters are everywhere so this so, is you're a child so you're a child seeing cannabis everywhere is that just how you grew up oh yeah, yeah. it was just definitely part of the culture the, in this rural community there was nothing to do for income unless you were some kind of professional there's really nothing else going on besides the wine industry and there the logging industry was coming to a halt and the wine industry was really picking up but other than that there isn't really anything to do around here and so a lot of people just cultivated cannabis because back in those days you could grow a, a very limited amount and get three to five thousand dollars a pound you barely had to grow anything to live a pretty nice lifestyle and that's interesting yeah. and this is outside everyone grow it outside is that where it's grown correct yeah so most people here are off the grid so they don't even have much power so it's definitely outdoor and it's the prime region for that we don't get a ton of fog we don't have a lot of 
rain on in the exact timing that yeah, so, so what are plant. what are the magical conditions what are the magical conditions of that area that make it such a perfect for cannabis because it's a weed right everyone says you can grow it anywhere but uh, there's something magical about where you are <laughs> not hemp <laughs> yeah in our area basically we get the right amount of light hours and the right amount of sunshine during the right season so if you started a seed naturally it's going to start flowering when the light is just the right amount of hours. And so that all happens naturally around the, the plants. If you started a seed in March, the plants would sex somewhere in April. And then you get them, you choose your females, you get them nice and big, you put them in the ground around June because we don't get any frosts anymore. And the light is just right outside for that point. And then we cultivate all through the summer until some strain, depends on the strain, but like we have a lot of strains that are done in the middle to end of September. So we've been harvesting already for almost a month now. Is it acres? What are you, what's your planting look like? Mendocino County, this will get right into what okay. Mendocino Generations okay. is we, through this because this is where the stress came from. So Mendocino County, renegade farmers have been doing this forever. Mendocino County has a, you know, a long history of, you know, <laughs> activism, I guess mm-hmm. you could say, because we were the, one of the first counties to ban GMOs. We have a, we actually have a hemp ban here currently. Oh, interesting. Um, we'll dive into later. Yeah, uh, I've not talked about that at all. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of stress here with the cultivators can only grow so much. There's not a ton of water where I am. There's a drought obviously going on. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of other factors that are playing in here that make it a real challenge. And so as these cultivators who were hiding basically right. for so many decades, all of a sudden, here's this platform Prop 64 passes. People are like, you're going to be able to do this legally. And most of the people that I know are cultivating in our very small community are older. They're first generation. They have been doing this and pushing so hard through that Reagan era, through all the all the different layers of bullshit they've had to deal with for so long. Right. Then by the time it got legal, they were like, I don't know if I want to deal with this mountain of paperwork. I don't think it's for me. And, the it's, very, and I, it's, it's very hard. Out. I keep hearing stories. That's the issue is that the cultivators yeah. who have been doing this, the regulated industry is set up in essence, it's going to be for as tight as medicinal which is a very well, different process. I mean, right? Yeah, it's set up for people with a lot of money. And it, yeah, and it's set up for everyone for money, which is... Yeah, okay, so we're battling with that currently, like literally right now with our board of supervisors, and we can talk about that more later. Yeah. But so what, what has happened is like all these people have been pushed towards, do you want to go legal or not? If you don't, then here are the risks of that. If you want to go legal, this is what you have to do. And so my husband and I were like, of course we want to, because this is our legacy. This is what we have been doing for so long. What else are we going to do? We're not going to run out and get a new career or whatever. And so we decided that since our property actually is in this flight path where if you fly from Ukiah to anywhere north, you go right over us until you get split off. And so we would just get harassed basically by helicopters and planes all the time. And we decided that if there was ever a legal pathway to do this, we would do it. And well, it was okay. And I, I just, and, I, and if you're a listener who doesn't understand, this is seriously, we talk a lot about the capital issue because we talk a lot about social equity on the show. Mm-hmm. So that's an enormous issue just to get into this game. You're risk. you're not trying to get in, you're in it and you're risking a lot expensive to transition this business into something Correct. regulated that is 
what it's got a lot of issues in California, but there's a lot of money. There's a lot of right. There's a lot of corrupt. Yeah. Whatever. There's just stuff going on. It's super corrupt. If you yeah. look at who backed Prop sixty four, it's not. It's not built. It's not built for people like you. And you're taking this on. So it's very mm-hmm. brave and it's very it's heroic. Really. <laughs> All right. So you're there. You're second generation. So what are you telling your neighbors who are getting scared or? don't know what to do. Right. So people are looking at my husband and I as an example, because we decided to move down this pathway. We started out under the Prop 215 model. There was a program here in Mendocino County called the 9.31 program. And that was just the number of the ordinance, but basically it allowed you to cultivate up to 99 plants. If you collected enough medical cards to cover six plants times how many divided into 99. And so we did that for a couple years and the sheriff came out and like monitor, they came and assessed our, it was so weird. It is, it was. So basically it was just like your neighbors who needed the cannabis for medical patients, you could grow their plants. Is that what Mm -hmm. you're doing? Our friends anywhere in California. Okay. Okay. Um, So we had a collective and so we were doing that and it was working well. We had a brand that we started in 2015 called Arcana Flowers. We started working with other neighbors and friends who were asking us for advice. How did you do this step? What did you do next? Where do I need to go? What office do I need to go to? All these things. So I started helping people move towards getting legal because I was just doing it and people learning by doing how this, yeah, that's just, and I was consulting folks. And so a lot of our neighbors and friends started asking, we went from, okay, we're just trying to figure this out on our own to all of a sudden I was helping all these people get to this point. And then it became too overwhelming for me to really be able to do that for everyone else. And my farm takes a lot of effort, of course. Well, I mean, you're, you you have a life, you have a business, yeah. you have to <laughs> share your knowledge. That's so, that's so woman oriented. That's so should be how cannabis should be, but okay. Right. Yeah. And yeah, right. And I just started helping folks and that's how Mendocino Generations came about. Basically we We started with us, grew to three different uh, farms of young families that lived near us. And then within a year, we had 35 members. And how how does this work? And how do you become a member? What's the, what are the parameters? What, What do you need to do? At that point, a lot of our members came right before Prop 64 passed in the year prior. They wanted to go down this road. And so that's we were trying to take those steps to get them there. And were these mostly second generation or some first generations coming in or who were these variety of people? Both. A lot of second generation, but a lot of, I would say more than half the group originally was over 50. A lot of them have been doing this for a long time and they wanted to see what was going to happen. They decided that's what they were going to, they were going to take the steps to start figuring it out. And for a lot of folks, it did not work out because of various reasons. A lot of people said, screw this. I'm just going to retire. Can you like, just because people don't actually know. So what, just trying to, it's it's hard to get into a regulated industry. I know we're in Massachusetts. I talked about this all the time. There's a lot of local control about how things are, I'm assuming California is similar. So just, so I don't know. Okay. Trying to like, I don't know if there's a way to explain why, what, where are people dropping out and what are the roadblocks aside right. from money? Yeah. Okay. So that's a great point. So the county, you have to get through the county first. If you can get through the county, you can get through the state pretty much. And so, what do you need it? Like here, you have to get a, you have to get a, find a town that'll give you a host agreement and then you can go to the um, cannabis commission. Is that, oh, that no. that's, okay. How does this work so, here? Yeah. So when we started out, basically they didn't have a cannabis department yet because oh, okay. they weren't, they didn't. Wait, there's no central California cannabis office? 
or none of that was existing before prop 64 there was really nothing there was that's interesting you paid money to the sheriff literally you filled out one page of a form you sent in a bunch of pictures of where your plants were in a map of your property and you paid them hundred dollars per plant and then when prop 64 passed the county of mendocino had created this ordinance there was so many nuances to it that did a lot of things that just didn't make any sense and they were trying to ask all you know the people involved for advice but it wasn't really a, a collaborative effort at all they put down there's still fear but they still fear about what was happening like they didn't yeah and total judgment yeah. even still to this day i have to go when i go pay my cannabis tax to the county of mendocino I have to stand under a piece of paper that has a pot leaf on it. So everyone else behind me in line knows that yeah, I have really, a lot of cash in my purse. Oh, I even thought of it that way. Oh my God. Yeah, because is, you can't pay it with a, you can't pay it with a check because you can't have a bank account. That is criminal. You That's know, so crazy. basically you're just outing yourself. Every office you go into, you're like, I have to stand this line under this pot leaf. And, and now I'm just being like marginalized. I'm just being like, so that's what the county thing is. So each county in California is doing their own thing as opposed Correct. to Correct. So you have to okay. get through, yeah, you have to get through the county first. And at first it was this like uh, process you went through the ag department. Then they moved it over to the planning building because they realized that so many people had buildings that they couldn't use and the, and the county really wanted to capitalize on that too. They wanted your money to permit every, so for instance, my property, this will be I do, I do talk about extortion on the show. So I, I don't know. I just feel like this oh, is an yeah. industry full of money, but we, we treat it. <laughs> I know, but we treat it like it's plutonium. This is a one industry that's actually working for America. That's the kind of thing I want to back up on. I know, and, that, well, and that if we don't get our banking together soon, what would happen in terms of how you would work on your own site? I guess. Yeah. So how it started is like, we went to the ag department, we got through, we were the 12th permit in Mendocino County, my own farm. And I was there at 5am when the day they were opening the permit process, because I was like, I'm going to do this thing. And so that was easy at that point. Then at somewhere along the first year of Prop 64, they decided that they were going to create a more strenuous path for Mendocino County um, cultivators where you had to start at planning and building first you couldn't if you can't get through them you cannot get a cultivation permit because they wanted to make sure that you have everything dialed in first so I live on a back to the land community nobody has permits for jack diddle and my house had one but besides that nothing else so what I had to do first was one of the stipulations they actually gave me my permit but they said you have two years to get everything on your parcel permitted so I so what year are we talking about Gia? where are you starting what year is this would you say prop, gosh what year in a prop 64 214 or 2017 2018 okay all right. yeah and so i've done that I'm, I'm actually at that point where i'm just waiting for the planning de department to come out here and or the building department to come sign off on everything so we finally got through all that it was a well, it's a lot look but so you have to start there now. So I'm one of those lucky ones who got in first and then right. I got shuffled Backwards. over here. That's tens of thousands of dollars in. And, 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 and it's getting, like a lot of like it's investment in, it's investment up front and investment in things that you may or may not um, mm -hmm. benefit from later if you're just denied at that point. So get, yeah. this is the, the talk about extortion. Okay. You have, besides that, as soon as you apply for a permit in Mendocino County, you are now 
paying tax for your cultivation size. So I have a 10,000 square foot. The minimum tax is $5,000. If you get ripped off, your farm burns down, you don't sell anything, whatever, you still pay five grand in tax no matter what, which what other business has to do that? Nobody. So, yeah. so that's rude. And on top of that, you pay it 2.5% on every dollar that you make. And you also have to pay that tax on your, before you pay your cultivation tax to the state. So you're getting double tax. I pay tax on a tax that I pay to the state, which I'm thinking like the people in your community are literally, they, they wanted to get away from government. Like they wanted to get as far. Yeah, exactly. So this is why a lot of people said, they said, screw that. I'm not doing it because they said, Wait a minute. Every department in California, now we have 28 agencies that we have to pay something to have a license every year in California. I have to pay super small fees to the Waymaster to say that I know how to use a scale. No one ever comes to make sure that you know how to use a scale. There's no test. There's nothing. You just pay. There's like all these agencies that are involved. They all want a piece of the pie. They think we have money buried in the backyard. I was on the phone with CDFW one day. And the lady literally said to me, why don't you just go dig it up out of the backyard? What's the problem? And I'm like, all right. So this is the craziness of cannabis people. It's a cash industry that is obviously bringing money in and helping other communities, but we're being punished on every single level from banking to government to taxation. And if you want this industry to save America, we've got to get our act together. All right. So let's go back. I kind of lost track of my conversation earlier just about, so when, so you're working with Amendus and you're working with these farm collaboratives, but I am curious, what is going on with the, the fires now and what's happening? You, again, you were mm. talking about, I don't know, you probably don't have any risk management. Like how would you even handle that kind of situation in Correct. the current era? Yeah. So many people got through this process. A lot of people have their licenses now. A lot of people have their, we have our provisionals at the state. Nobody has their annual Mendocino County for another reason, which is CEQA, which is the, like a site specific issue with the property. But Anyways, that's a whole nother ball of wax. And so a lot of people are just sitting here waiting. They've issued 252 permits or something like that in Mendo. But there's like a couple thousand sitting there waiting to be approved and no movement has happened in two years. No one's got a new permit. And so that the, all those people are paying that minimum tax though. Do you have lawyers? Who are you working with? Not able to cultivate. <laughs> so there's that. So then- and- You know, so we're we're moving forward. We're trying to do all that we can do. In the meantime, you got all these other factors playing in. You have, I had one farm in our collective in who's featured in Ladybuds. Also, there's a little piece of her story during the fires in 2017. The fire came through in the middle of the night, woke everybody up about 1 a.m. Her, she barely got out with her kids and just had to basically drive through firestorm to get out and her house burned down, but her farm survived. And so she, her name is Ashley Oldham. She was one of my good friends, but during this time, this is how much we're discriminated against. The farmers that grow grapes could go in after that fire and go tend to their crops. If you held up your cannabis permit and showed them that I need to go to my permitted farm and mon check on it and water or whatever, after those couple weeks of the fires still moving through, they're still putting out spot fires. They don't want people in there because of risk, all safety, health, all that stuff. They had blockades at all these roads and they weren't letting anybody in except for 
these grape farmers. So she, she goes to show them their permit and they're like, no way, we don't care. Put that away. That doesn't mean anything to us. We're not letting you and you can't go in there. So she finally figures out after a couple days of doing this, a new, she sees the, the sheriff's switch uh, shifts. She goes up and she says, I work for this uh, vineyard. And they go, great, go ahead. They let her in. Insanity. All right. Cannabis is an, Insanity. Essential, it's an essential element of our humanity at this point. All right. There's a lot, to, there's right. a lot we still need to do. Lot, and I, I, I've also heard about the fires. What, what's happening to this crop? Because it's, I know like with wine, they do some mm-hmm. lab testing or I don't know, there, there are issues with smoke and I don't know what's going Correct. on with smoking. So, so what, is that something that's going on with the cannabis? Yeah. Yeah. So currently we are having a, the largest fire ever in recorded history in Mendocino County. It's in actually five counties, but it's up in the very north part of our county near a town called Covalo. Um, and Covalo is also a huge cultivation region. I have about seven of our uh, Mendocino generations members have farms up there. Yeah, maybe a little bit more than that. But anyways, they're having similar things. They are allowed, they can apply this piece of paper with their license and all that to go in and check on their farm. And it, that has been working this time around so far from what I'm hearing from people. But yeah, so basically it's so smoky where I live, which is an hour and a half drive away from that fire, but it's so darn smoky and ash is falling everywhere. My plants were covered in ash for three weeks. I have, the only thing I can do is basically blow them off with a leaf blower. And then as we get closer, to harvest, we're rinsing them off with a product that's basically hydrogen peroxide. Yeah. You know, it's not going to do anything to the, the plants except just clean them off and it won't pop on a test or anything like that. But what people are concerned about is that, yeah, you're now talking about burning vehicles, burning homes, burning everything out there. That ash is then falling on your plants. Is that something you want to smoke? I don't know. Probably not. Probably has fire retardant in it. And so people were definitely freaking out. We've had in tw- after 2017, our product was fine. Same thing happened. We had ash here, all okay. that. Something smelled like smoke a lot and some things didn't. Some people had really hard time with that. We did at that point, same thing, like a peroxide Clark, Clark. dip. Right. And then once the testing came through, everything was clear and fine and nobody's had It's a concern. Problems. It's one more concern on top of everything else that's I know. going on. That you, like, you get through permitting, yeah. get through the money, you're surviving, you get your local control, your sheriff lets you look at your plants, and then it's covered in ash. I don't know. It's just, yeah, I, exactly. I hadn't even thought like, about this not. until I talked to a wine woman and she was talking about what they're doing testing. So I'm like, huh, I wonder what cannabis is well, doing. Well, so the interesting thing is they don't test for anything that's in fire retardant. They're testing for <laughs> things that people commonly put on their plants that are things that can affect humans. They're testing for certain molds and like things like pseudomonas and aspergillus, which are things that can affect your lungs. They can actually really hurt you. They're, those are natural molds and fun, fungi that glow, grow on plants. And so a lot, there's that. And then there's all these chemicals that are used, different kind of solvents or different bug killers, insecticides, all that stuff. And that basically is forcing everybody in California to grow organically, which is awesome because there's so many products out there. So you've but, seen a you big know, shift since you've been out there. You've seen a shift in the yeah, attitude I mean, unless if you're turning it into oil, big deal, who cares? Because there are so many filters by the time it gets to a sure. vape pen that it's cleaned out. There's a few things that make it all the way through that process. But for the most part, if you're growing for flour, 
you are, uh, so there's a lot of risk there. I mean, if it's not the fires, it's not the ash, there's russet mites, which are affecting everyone I know this year, like really bad. We also have the cannabis aphid, which came from, I think hemp is what they're saying. It's That's funny. From- Cause you know, like have a, actually, I want to kind of talk because we're running up on time, but I want to talk about yeah. the farm a little bit, just literally mm-hmm. who's works on the farm. Like you're talking about I, again, I can't grow anything. I'm trying to grow four little plants and I've dwarfed them. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I do not have a green thumb, people. This is, you're talking about real farming out there. So who's actually yeah. on your farm? Who's working on it? And what are the kind of things that you're, I don't know, aside from all your advocacy and you're trying to make sure the business, like as an agricultural, horticultural person, what are you seeing in this industry that's good yeah. or bad or, yeah. Okay. So let's see. My husband is the cultivator here on our farm. We have a a little bit of help here and there with the heavy labor, but basically he's the one who does all the soil monitoring, the plant monitoring, the sexing of the plants, the cloning, all the things that go into getting us to where we are right now. But it's very hard. A lot of people think that cannabis farmers are lazy. Back in the day, we had that reputation. You just throw a seed in the ground and then you pull out money. And that's definitely not how it works. There's a lot of factors with all these insects and pests and disease and all the things that go into cultivating right now. So my job actually is mostly, as soon as the plants are cut down, that's where my job starts in terms of touching the plants. I love to go in the garden. I love to do all that as well. But for the main part, I focus on organizing the dry, the cure, the getting it off to market. I do all the metric, which is the way that we track everything here. In many states, it's not just California, uses the same system. Track and trace from seed to sale is how they say it. And it's really complicated. It is not intuitive by any means. And I was just telling my husband the other day, I was like, aren't you glad I'm here? Because what would you do if I wasn't? Are your children going to be third generation, do you think? Or what do you? <laughs> this is an interesting thing. This is something we touched on in the Ladybugs movie heavily. Yeah. Is my son had an issue with overdoing it, with using dabs. And he is now to the point where he doesn't really smoke cannabis that much. He does a little CBD here and there and a little bit of social smoking, like when we have family or dinners or whatever. But he's gone the opposite way. But he is living here now because of the COVID pandemic. His job was closed down. His school closed down. He moved back home. So yeah. I have another dog and another, you know, back here working on the farm. So that's, that's good been- to say that come home, that to have someone useful. Some other, now they're useful. <laughs> if you can wake him up in the morning that is but yeah so he he's been working out there doing a lot of stuff to help us this year it's it's a hard thing I really honestly I want him to go out in the world and do something different I don't want him to be a third generation cultivator if he chooses that for himself that's fine but I really just it's stressful you know, you know, I guess I think of it. I think like I came from a family business and I said I never wanted to have a business. I don't know. Like you don't necessarily, your next generation of your kids, they don't have to do what you do, but they know no. this exists. And whatever, yeah. you're, you're probably really proud of you and seeing what's going on. And when we come back, I want to talk about the Lady Buds movie, but we just got to take a quick break. We're going to hear a message from my friend Amy, who really is going to come in as a co host, but not for another week or so. So I know I keep talking about her. And then I just want to do a little quick, I'm going to talk a little bit about an article I read because I don't really have a favorite thing. And then we'll finish up with my friend Chia and we're going to talk about the Ladybud movie from Mendocino. (laughs) We'll be right back. (laughs) 
Hi, this is Amy from Hip Lives, an online virtual community with admissions surrounding health in progress. Our Plants Not Pills holistic approach to health aligns you with support, education, products, and specialists through our resources and foundation in, well, you guessed it, cannabis. We also have other natural health solutions too for living your life with your health in progress. So that's why it's Hip Lives. And we're especially excited to collaborate and share our space with our friends at the Cannamom Show. Aligning the core message, we invite all of you to visit hiplives.com and listen to host Joyce Gerber as she dives deep with Cannamoms each week who share their stories and attest to the healing powers of cannabis. Tune in to season two of the Cannamom Show and join the community at Hip Lives to embrace the culture. Also, join me as your new co-host on the Cannamom Show, where Joyce and I spearhead the airwaves in a North American takeover, from her roots in the U.S. to my voice here in Cannamoms Unite. And we promise that's not all you'll find, is you too can get involved, access our support and strategy to business services, align with our brand partners, and truly benefit from the space where holistic lives are shared. Hope to see you there. And we're back. All right, before we... uh... We're going to do a little queue up of the Lady Bun movie just in a second. I just want to do a little. So I was reading the New York Times this morning because I'm a human being who actually still reads an old-fashioned newspaper. And uh, I just, the world people. But uh, Susan. You're keeping that publication alive, Joyce. I am. <laughs> I get it. To. I actually get it delivered. Like I have a like actual right. paper boy. Anyways, mm. so I was reading and Susan Rice had just written an article and she started off about talking about how she was finishing like up dinner and like wiping down the dishes, which I love that image of a really powerful person just doing their own dishes because, you know, Trump doesn't do that. Anyways, <laughs> she, she was just talking about her, her hope and her vision. And I've been trying to hold on to this 5781 people. And she was talking about this vision that just felt hopeful. And she's much smarter than I am. She knows obviously a lot more about what's really going on in this world. But for her to come back with the same message that I've been spinning in my head that this is a moment we can transition into and that there are leaders like her uh, who are still exist in America that it just made me feel better. So that was my hopeful moment this morning. It's a good one. Thank That's you. One. And I never really, like Susan Rice, I never really followed her. So I thought she was boring, but this is funny. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, <laughs> and we're back. All right. So before we talk about it, let's do a little cue up of Ladybuds. Our quote around here is that the land owns you, you don't own the land. This is the most incredible plant on the planet. The cannabis spirit is just amazing. I've seen the healing. I can't turn my back on that. We are here to reclaim the conversation about social equity as it relates to the legalization of cannabis. We really don't know how this is all going to pan out. We started thinking, oh my gosh, there's a tsunami coming. How are we really going to survive this legalization? Voters legalize the recreational use of marijuana. Growers now are up against large mega corporations that are coming in here to grow as much cannabis as they possibly can. White cannabis is unapologetic right now. You're a person of color. You can't do like everybody else. You have to have it done the right way. Twelve years later, we're still at it. Who's checking on the plan checker? When the regulations came out, I had a panic attack. The rules change every day. You never know if it's going to be okay tomorrow or not. Our brothers are dying. You're giving them no options. See the plight of all of these farmers. Are you willing to go to jail and lose everything? We've been willing to do that for years or we wouldn't be here. When you do all you could do and you still get a no. There is no possible way that this can work. What are we going to do? Taking this beautiful plant and turning her into this commodity 
We entered at the time because we knew we could make a difference. We are the responders. How is day one look? It's like a legendary moment. Good people don't smoke marijuana. And finally decriminalize marijuana. Don't whore out my fair lady cannabis. Pretty wow. compelling. For our uh, listeners, Chia was one of the first voices you heard saying, if these regulations go through, I'm going to have a heart attack. Is that what you said? <laughs> I think I said I had a panic attack panic when attack the process or, but, yeah. actually passed. You know, I knew right. it was going to happen, but woof. <laughs> anyway, so this, again, I talk about this every day, all day. We forget where we've come from and who are those ladies out front have been fighting for a long time. So this is a, a reminder. How did you get involved with this? How did that even happen? Total accident. I was at a cannabis event called the Emerald Exchange in Malibu, California, and this film crew was there and they just came up to my booth and said, hey, do you mind if we ask you a few questions? And at that moment, I had no idea. I thought I was just sitting down for a five minute interview. And at the end, she was like, do you want to be in my movie? (laughs) I don't know what that means, but sure. And so we've been filming for about three years and it's done now. Just waiting for the right moment out of a pandemic to have our premiere. All right. So it's, can people watch it yet? I just, I've been, I've been looking for, I've seen the um, trailer a couple of times. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's not, it's, yeah, it's not out there. I think it's being shopped at the moment and the little finite tweaks at the end and all that stuff, but it's very close. If people yeah, want to check out, check out the trailer or I guess check back to see the release schedule, it's ladybudsmovie.com. Yeah. And we'll put that in yeah. the notes and that's fun. That maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll have some of the day the pandemic's over and Lady Buds comes out and all the women cannabis will dance around the world. I don't know. We'll do something good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like hard. I'm falling hard for this community. I'm liking it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Dave was an attorney too. So we're like, both recovered. We're recovering. All right. Chia, so happy to have your guest today. We're looking forward to this for a while. Any last words of wisdom you want to leave us with? What's coming up? What are you looking for? What are you hoping? Thanks for having me. And yeah, I guess just get out there in support of cannabis. And if you're a consumer or a farmer or whatever, the time is now to stand up for your rights and get on your soapbox. There's never, ever been a better time to actually speak out and follow through with what you actually believe. And, and that's what I'm trying to do. That's what all of us farmers and Mendocino generations and beyond are trying to do up here in the Emerald Triangle and really just be true to our culture and, and see that she culture had, provide. Do you have a uh, Twitter account or Instagram that you like to give up? Um, I don't twit, but yeah. <laughs> 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 Whatever it's called, tweet. <laughs> let's see. I have seven different Instagrams, I, but let's see. We have Mendocino Generations is one. My brand is Arcana Flowers, A R C A N A Flowers. That's also a website. So we have ArcanaFlowers.com, MendocinoGenerations.com. We have Facebook as a combination of those two. I have my farm. If you want to see more specific photos and things about me and my family and my farm and all that. It's River Shy and it's first word is river. Second word is T-X-A-I. That's um, my son's middle name. And yeah, there's. there's well, we'll get all those. Those will be in the notes of the show. We always make sure I can check in with them. Make sure you get them all. So thank you much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us again. So again, for my guest today, check her out. The Mendocino Generations, the Bud, Ladybud movie for my Canabro, David. Yes. Thanks again for joining me. Our social media team doing a good job, keeping it out there, making sure everybody knows we're around and sharing these stories of the ladies in the cannabis industry. 
I want to thank Josh Lampkin and Bella Jaffe for writing and performing the infamous Canna Mom Show theme music. And I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canna Mom Show, where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry, one can of story at a time. Please follow us on social media. Subscribe anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. I'm Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannon Mom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. How do cannabis CEOs balance growth and optimization strategies? What is THCO, Delta 10, and CBNA, and why should you care about these minor cannabinoids? And why is an endocannabinoid system covered in medical school? Most people think they're up to date in trends in the cannabis industry, but they're about six weeks behind. Learn about what is truly next in the cannabis space by joining myself, Brian Fields, and Kellen Finney every week on the Dime Podcast and, of course, on PodConnects.